from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. At least our mom says so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, yeah, so... I just want to start off by apologizing about no show last week. That was our bad. We just, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're doing our best is all I could really say. Well, very busy. Very, very busy. Um, but yeah, uh, so I apologize about that, but we're going to, we're, we're doing our best. All right. Um, get the housekeeping out of the way here. The American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewers and home or homebrewing and homebrewers. And now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymer magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. Uh, this quarter's, uh, Zymer or I guess, is it bi-monthly? I don't know. Uh, so this, this, the latest Zymer is actually... Uh, about honey, they have a lot honey. of like honey stuff in there. So I, I thought that. thought that was interesting. Um, and then uh, give a shout out to our patrons, uh, specifically our black belt patron Andy Thompson. If you'd like to be as awesome as Andy, head over to Patreon.com/slash/BlindNewStudios and become a patron today. And then if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, head over to BlindNewStudios.com. Click on the Amazon link at the bottom of our homepage. Your Amazon shopping as normal, we get a bit of a kickback from Amazon. It really helps us out. Okay. My friend, my colleague, what have you been up to? Well, uh, was was my birthday uh, last week or what? Oh, happy beard day! Thank y'all. Yeah, so I had a had a nice little party at the brewery and uh, had received uh, a couple cases. Uh, some <laughs> some very generous friends of mine, uh, Mags and the captain. Um, uh, I sound like a musical group, but in any case, they brought me, they went, uh, they were out in the Nevada area, Las Vegas, Nevada, and brought home a, a whole pile of beer for me for my birthday, which was really cool. I uh, got to check out some pizza port beers and some Mother Earth, uh, and that's as far as I've gotten. Um, but yeah, just were some some uh, breweries, uh, pizza port I know for a fact they're they're one of the um, you know they they're the name I've I've heard a bunch yeah award winningly famous with their IPAs and their IPAs uh, they didn't disappoint uh, in in as much that uh, they were bad overall it's just that I got uh, some not very fresh oh examples of them and so it's one of those. I'm drinking five or six month old yeah. IPA and I can still appreciate where they're coming from with it. And they were still great beers, but um, yeah. And then uh, the, the mother earth had a uh, one that was uh, just rife with DMS uh, like cooked corn or it wasn't more like it was more of like cooked vegetal sulfur uh, than anything else. So that's your result of, not boiling that Pilsner malt long enough um, was one of the reasons why that'll pop up. But other than that, I really enjoyed all the beers. I tried a couple of cream ales and a couple other styles that I wouldn't normally necessarily go for, <coughs> which doesn't necessarily mean I was like forced to drink them, but I just wanted to, I like to try all, all different styles. So uh, yeah, that, that happened. And... 
what else? Uh, we're getting into it'll be uh, coffee stout season soon, so we'll be releasing the, the big mix coffee stout pretty soon here at, at Hop and Barrel. Uh, but other than that, that's all I got. What about right. you? Um, let's see. It's just last week. Uh, I went to Nolens for oh, the weekend. Right. Um, yeah, I went to New Orleans. Had some, uh, like, you know, I had, had a few different beers. Um, a lot of cocktails was kind of the kind right. of the, the main the main course down there. Did stop at uh, at a brew pub in the French Quarter. It's like the only brew pub in the French Quarter there. Um, beers were good. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was what it was called now. Um, <laughs> brew pub French Quarter. Uh, what was it Crescent City? No. Yeah. Yeah. Crescent City Brew House. All right. There you go. Um, yeah, it was actually like the beers were solid. Um, it was better than I was like when you go to a touristy area and they have a brew pub. Yeah. It's usually like, eh. mm-hmm. but, um, their Oktoberfest was, was decent. Um, like, so like they, they had like, it wasn't like loggery off flavors. So that was good. Um, it was attenuated properly, which was fantastic. Um, their pale ale was solid, like. Yeah, I can't really complain. And then they had oysters, so I was happy. <laughs> so oysters and gator meat. I was good to go. Gator meat. Dude, a gator sausage po'boy is my new favorite sandwich. Well, like, I'm, well not my favorite sandwich, because that's that will always be a soft-shell crab po'boy. But <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was up there, man. It was really good. Nice. Um, other than that, not a ton. Just kind of getting ready for... Uh, I guess, yeah, this week is our uh, DOO 300th, so uh, just kind of been gearing up for that. 300 episodes. 300 episodes, seven so that's years. seven years. Yeah, I don't, if, you, if you do I, the I, math. I don't, I, don't, I don't know which one is more impressive. I don't, I don't know either, because if you do the math, it's like 5.7 years, and so that means obviously a bunch got... Or seven and a half years. Right. Uh, uh, several times. Or, you know, or yeah, five, yeah, whatever. Shit's yeah. not, re- wasn't recorded. And so, you, oh, yeah. yeah. No, we, we skipped, we skipped a lot of weeks in there. Yeah. I mean, we so, can figure that out, but I don't want to. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. So, yeah. So that'll be fun. Um, but we are going to do an entire, uh, because we, I mean, it's been a while since we've recorded, we have a bunch of backed up listener mail. So we are going to do an entire episode dedicated to you guys and your questions. Man, yeah, and we are going to do our best because there are, as usual, some pretty um, technical yep. questions um, going on Honestly, here. I think we should start with the Gordon one because that one might be a good softball. Sure, yeah. Um, so the question is, can acetaldehyde, green apple flavor, um, be a time-release off flavor in beer? I uh, just had a Swedish-style imperial stout that I bought from a local liquor store. The label does say store cold, which it was when I bought it, uh, but couldn't say how it was stored uh, the entirety it was in the store. The green apple tartness was overpowering on both the nose and the palate, uh, ruining the entire beer. There was... More concentrated than the infect, or this was more concentrated than the infected beer on DOO last year. Uh, He's referencing our off flavor thing, which was like 30 30 times what the normal amount is. Yeah. Yep. Three. Or three times? 30? Shit, I don't. It it was a number of times. I I think think it's, it was, it's like an X factor of three. Yeah. It's supposed to be a shocking amount. Yep. And even, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but even, when it is at a much higher level, there are still people that can't perceive yeah. some of these. Some of these. Yep. Uh, and then he finishes out. I would assume a commercial brewery would do some quality check prior to packaging and distribution. So I'm wondering how the hell uh, they missed this. 
So acetaldehyde, um, green apple flavor, uh, is caused by what, Brian? Uh, you're going to run into that. Um, so just to kind of break it down, like uh, it's, a, it's a naturally occurring, it's an organic compound that's found in everything from ripe fruit to coffee. Uh, it's frequently described as having a tart flavor reminiscent of green apple, and th- it can get real tart. It sure can. Um, like extremely like tart, tart, like punishment beer style. Uh, and the flavor of dry cider also kind of comes to my mind. But uh, Brewer's Yeast produces acetaldehyde as an intermediate compound. Uh, and this happened, it's during the conversion of glucose to ethanol. And we went over that. If you want to yep. go back a couple episodes of us trying desperately to, yeah, trying desperately to explain uh, some very complicated material. Uh, so it's found in every beer you make. But only during primary fermentation. So what we're talking about here is during a f- healthy fermentation, the yeast fully converts the, va- the vast majority of the, the compound uh, to alcohol so that any residual amount falls below a normal flavor threshold. Uh, if the fermentation is less than optimal, uh, so if you pitched, you know, uh, I don't even know if you, you'd have to try pretty hard. If you pitched... Half of a smack pack into a ten gallon batch, you might you might get some of that sharp stuff based on that under pitch. Um, uh, so that being said, if if it's less than optimal, um, the conversion of acetaldehyde to alcohol will it'll remain it'll be incomplete, and so too much is going to remain in the final beer. Um, it's also produced uh, by oxidation. Uh, so if we don't pay attention and literally, literally the next episode after this is aeration. Yeah. Um, but that won't necessarily matter. But um, it's exposing fermented beer to oxygen uh, is when it becomes problematic. So you've got an aerobic bacteria. Uh, so when the aerobic bacteria uh, get a hold of it, and then metabolize the compound into acetic acid, which is going to end up tasting like vinegar and is considered its own off flavor just in general. Um, so basically to, to answer Jordan's question, how, how Gordon, who did I say? Jordan. Oh, Jesus Christ. Whatever. Jordan, <laughs> Gordon <coughs> to answer Gordon's question. Yeah, it can happen later over time, over time. If you know, and I would, I would, push back on him and tell me what the packaging date was on that beer. And um, yeah, he he told me. I wonder if he left it in the email and I just forgot to pull it. Well, so yeah, was just the thing he told me. While you're typing, I guess, basically, uh, it's if you have too much dissolved oxygen in the beer, that will turn it into that. Um, and then as, as you go along, it gets tougher and tougher to measure dissolved oxygen because the oxygen in the fermented beers is, is turning uh, all sorts of weird flavors out, uh, like your acetaldehyde, your uh, transtunonal, which is like cardboard, wet paper, cardboard, sherry, oxidated, um, stuff like that. So um, the key here is make sure you maintain, you know, if your flawless sanitation practices and call back on another episode we did definitely an episode on uh cleaning sanitizing yeah. sterilizing etc uh pitch the appropriate amount of yeast fully oxygenate wort at pitching 
and we'll talk about that next episode. So we're what eight to ten psi is yeah. appropriate. Um, avoid racking beer off the yeast true before your fermentation is complete. Um, Don't halt fermentation. Allow never. fermentation to do its thing. Never halt fermentation. Uh, avoid introducing oxygen to your beer after fermentation. And there's a number of ways to do that. Yeah. but that's a rabbit hole. And that's itself, yeah. That's so. that's its own little. Own little yeah. discussion. So what we're looking for here is reabsorption of the um, acetaldehyde. So having a healthy population uh, can go a long way towards um, sucking that compound back into the into the cell, having it drop and stay away from the beer. So be patient. Wait a few beers. Wait a few beers. Wait a few beers. <laughs> wait a few days after reaching. I mean, that's how I measure time, man. I think I need a few beer by beer. Beers so I can talk normally. <laughs> uh, and wait a few days after reaching the terminal gravity before you start racking uh, your beer to secondary. Uh, and that's for a number of reasons, not just for acetaldehyde. So, so um, like, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, like, that. I mean, that was a fantastic acetaldehyde uh, monologue. Thank you, Brian. Wow. That was absolutely delightful. Um, but I, I, I do want to touch on his second, um, like his kind of second, uh, part here about, um, like if you run into this out in the wild, like as a consumer, um, should you reach out to the brewery and say, Hey, like on private channels, just be like, like on their Facebook page or whatever. And just be like, Hey, I found this. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would, I don't know. We, you know, it's. It, it depends on it depends on who you run into because what we've always sort of run into is that when you start critiquing other people's I'm sorry when you start critiquing quote unquote professional brewers beer they tend to get a little they def get very defensive defensive um, and it's even hard for uh, me I guess as a, a brewery owner operator well it's I mean it's 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 natural to get defensive about your product mm -hmm. because you put your blood sweat and tears into it and yeah. you're proud of it and then when somebody comes and shits on it I'd, I'd want to know about it I would look into it honestly I would mm -hmm. probably feel a little defensive frankly but then I would definitely kind of push back on my people well, and, and, and be it, like hey and it comes back to how you how how the email is worded as well Th that's very and very true if it's and always go through private channels with this yeah. i can't don't, stress don't that enough blast it don't on blast it on facebook or yelp or untapped or whatever like don't. if you if you think there's a true off flavor in a beer like either like message them on facebook like with a private message or find their like their info at whatever email address mm. and send them an email. Yep, that's the route I would go. Because it'll be a lot better received. Yeah. Than if you start shitting on them in public. And you, you may end up with some some free beer in your mailbox too. So. All right. Where does that leave us? Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about Andy Thompson's here. I think. Okay. Um, so Andy, uh, black belt patron, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is looking for a heavier beer winter recipe, uh, something that he can keg and drink in a month, but also bottle and age out a bit. Any ideas? Um, when he sent this in, I immediately said, "I think Big Oaf would be a good candidate for it." What did What did we? So I'm drinking a little old uh, little Oaf Oaf right now myself. But what style did? It ended up being an old ale. Uh, immediately when I read this, I was like, "Old ale." Yep. Period. Um, yeah. So I I think old ale is mm -hmm. is is a good one. Barley um, wine, old ale. Like, well, I I see. I don't know if I'd go barley wine. 
And I'm honestly, I might even scale back this recipe a little bit um, and go something more of that 910 instead of that 13 that this is at. Yeah. Yeah, nine or, yeah that makes sense. Cause then Especially th- if you want to this... drink it in a month, like, that's, you can still get there. I mean, that's what we think, but, like, f- honestly, I'm, I, the, f- the few beers that I do think and find, that I do think are acceptable to age and find really exciting to drink when they are aged, they're very, very few. Yep. And Old Ale is definitely one of those that falls into place. Oh, yeah, Old Ale, like, if, it, it, well, and it depends on, like, so I, I think, I think the, uh, like, if you, if you want to do something to, like, age out for a while and you're just looking to age something out, I think Old Ale Barley Wine is a great idea. Yep. But he also wants something that he can drink in like a month. Uh, and so I mean like it would only be laid down for like a month? Well no no no. So like he he'd keg keg a bunch of it mm-hmm. and then bottle a bunch of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um and so I don't know, like a big heavy barley wine, a month turnaround is pretty short, I would think, yeah, to, no. to have that okay. mellow out and be drinkable. No, right? I see where you're going with that, yeah. Um and so I think if you if you scaled down like if you did like an old ale at like nine percent. Um, you're still going to get the complexity because you can have a lot of fun with that malt bill, mm. uh, and pull a bunch of, you know, a bunch of interesting, interesting characters just out of the malts. Um, and then as it ages down, like those things are going to meld and change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're still not going to run into that trap where like, okay, I have this barley wine that's just super, super forward on all of these flavors that I don't want right now. Mm-hmm. Be an interesting one to uh, do a little bottle condition on too. Uh, yeah. So I mean, should we should we throw together a quick uh, quick little recipe for him? Yeah. Or what, I mean, like, what are we shooting for? Are we shooting um, for an old ale? I I mean, why not? Why don't we just throw together an old ale recipe quick? I haven't made one of those for a while. Here, let me find uh find me some. We'll call it the Black Belt Old Ale. The what now? The black belt old ale. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately, I'm thinking Maris Otter. A Maris Otter, like that's a great paste. Or gold and or golden promise. Ooh, do like a do like a sixty forty? Could yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly some caramel malt. Um, but I'm thinking probably like. Definitely not a 60, probably more like an 80. What about DRC? Oh, what's, what is the SRM for DRC? Is it 120? Uh, I don't have that in beer on this version of Beersmith. Um, yeah, I wonder. Uh, like, you, yeah, actually, like, you, you know how I feel about DRC. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, like, you could do Maris, Golden, uh, DRC. Oh, what else? What's another good. Since since DRC is has a love bond or SRM of uh, one hundred five to one twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So DRC certainly. Um, I wonder where that would get us. All right. So if we're doing uh, percentages, um, where is the aha grain percentage button? All right. So we're thinking like. Would you go higher on the Maris Otter or the Golden Promise? Oh, um, I'm thinking higher on the Golden Promise. I mean, definitely 
don't have to end both, but I mean, this I is, think it'd be fun. It's another situation where like Munich and Special B Aromatic, like there's some other ones that you could kind of pack in there for a little bit of like, oh yeah, layering and depth. I mean, you don't want to get too muddled, but no. um, okay. So I'm thinking just Marisada will ditch the Golden Promise. Yeah, and then um, um DRC, DRC. Man, wow, this is fun. Um, <laughs> you said that like so exasperatedly. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. I just wish I wasn't like clicking my teeth and and hemming and hawing on the on the air here. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So I'm thinking uh, maybe Munich. Yeah, I, I think in Munich, and I think that actually like the dark Munich, the Munich twenty. Yeah, because it'll give you a little color. Yep. Too, and if you know, if I'm not mistaken, this should be like. About that, about like that. There's about like a like a dark caramel, dark toffee, like yep. ruby highlights. So maybe to kind of give a little more, like what about a, like a a black patent or a, I don't want any like real like roast necessarily, yeah. but Carafa, um, Carafa, but it'd have to be debittered and probably yeah, yeah. one. You think debittered Carafa one? Sure. Like, um, well, I mean, I, th- I think you don't you don't really want any roast in this at all. No, right? none, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. So you need something debittered. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't think I would go over like a hundred and thirty lava bond on on your on your malt. Okay, then maybe Carafa is not the best option then. No, probably that's not. That's going to add a ton of um, black. Um, honestly, if you added maybe some like black treacle syrup. Oh, just go from the go for like a like a sugar. Yeah, instead, because uh, you're looking for this to be a little higher ABV. So the uh, it's obvious. Well, rather, it's not obvious to me. It, adding sugar to this would that that's obvious in my mind. But yeah, um, yeah, treacle is a good a good interesting thing. Like a, a special B is a good mm. raisin plum. Etc. Layers. Um, I like the idea of special B. Okay. Yeah, yeah I like special toss, B. Toss some of that in there. I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't go. Not not crazy with it. Crazy. So with it. I'm thinking. All right, I'm gonna drop the drop the sugar and keep it. Try to keep it grain. Um, if I'm looking at my percentages here. Yeah, percentage wise, what do you think for special B? Probably. Uh, well, so we're probably going like two. Yeah, maybe. If that. Yeah. So let's start with two. Uh, what do you think uh, on probably like another 2% on the DRC? Yeah. Um, and then what, 5% Munich? Yeah, Munich in the dark. In the dark Munich. Um, and then, so that gives us nine. So if we did in the 91% Maris Otter? Yeah. So I mean that's it's not crazy. Um, and then as far as treacle goes, probably wouldn't be more than like a pound, if that even. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you need to. Okay, I just need to add more weight here. Let's do like. I'm. I'm just. I'm trying to get the, <laughs> the numbers to work here. Right. Uh oh. Going all grain would help a lot. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I suppose while you're typing in on that, uh, yeast choices, uh, I'd be all in on like London three, um, or any like English style. I mean, if you use dry, dry O four, uh, you gotta be careful about the D rest on that one. If you don't nail the D rest on it, you're, uh, you're going to catch some buttery popcorn. Um, yeah, if you can get a hold of, you know, what is whatever, whoever makes Y East or Y East, whoever makes London three, I would go with London three. Okay, uh, London this. three, you think? Yeah, I'd be a, any of the Londons. Uh, what oh 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 seven? Is, yeah, is another like one. Yeah, uh, and any you want English character is what we're. Looking yeah, at. that's where I'm getting um, a little bit of that yeah, fruity um, depth of character. So we want that mm-hmm. um, hops. I don't think really matter too much. I'd go no. with something English. I'd go with like a Kent or a Fuggle. Do a do a um, you know a, a sixty minute bittering charge. Shit, you could use you could use hop shots. Sterling. You could Sterling, use Magnum. Like, you could use yeah. So let's just throw Magnum on there just for ease of but what one to and you want one, one to one and a half ounces. Something like how, yeah, like you want. You don't want a ton of IBUs, like maybe 30 or 40 IBUs. Yeah, something around the 12% window. Uh, yeah. Oh, six, yeah. So 60, 60 minutes. 60 minutes. And then let her ride. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I think this is actually a solid recipe. I'm not mad about it. Yeah. And, it would, and then as far as mash temp goes, we're probably looking at like one, 150s. Not much higher than 156. Yeah, yeah. You want to keep her probably more medium towards, body. Yeah, medium body, 152, 154. Yeah, you want it to be drinkable, not chewy. Yep, not chewy, and then uh, not overly dry, so not down as far as 148 ish. So 152 sounds good to me. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, final, final uh, things are 91 percent Maris Otter, five uh, percent Munich. Uh, 2% DRC, 2% Special B, and then 40 IBUs of whatever the hell you want at <laughs> 60 minutes. And then ferment with any sort of English ale strain. Yeah, yeah. If there's something you haven't played with, I mean, your alcohol is going to be crawling yep. up pretty high on this one. Um, Yeah, and so that should give you about an OG of like 1083. Mm-hmm. So what does it say it's going to finish at? I got to add yeast and then I'll let you know. Ten um, twenties, something like that. Yeah, let's throw that I'm in. I'm hoping. There. <laughs> uh, about ten twenty. Sounds about right. Yeah, so that gives you an estimated ABV of what? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah. If you it, bump bump the treacle or bump the base, if you are if look, you're looking, looking for more. For more. Yeah. So, well, I pulled the treacle, so add treacle. Add, or, yeah, or add it. the treacle, but don't fuck with the mash temp. And just, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, it was pretty solid. Go ahead and save that real quick. There <laughs> maybe maybe we'll brew that someday. <laughs> <laughs> or, or rather, you will. <laughs> yeah, what is this wee bullshit? <laughs> All right, Andy, again, sorry it took us so long to get back to you on that, but I hope that... Uh, that yeah, I had honestly had meant to jump on the face space and type back to you, and you'd take, Casey even... Prompted me, but I did not get I kept to poking him. So. I kept poking him, and he kept Sorry. saying, "No, no, I don't care about anybody." <laughs> that is not true. That is not <laughs> what I said. God damn it! Anyway, drink your Dale's Pale Ale out of my Oscar's blue glass. I will. 
I actually grabbed that on purpose because I saw you had. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dale's Pale Ale, and I've got in one fist a Modelo, and in the other fist I've got um, some old ale. Old. It's a big ale. oaf. Big oaf. A big old oaf. Y'all. All, All right. right. Moving on. Now into uh, Bjorn. Man, Bjorn, we're gonna try our best here. Yes. All right. So uh, we have we have a couple different questions here. We'll see how many we get through, and then any wins we don't, we'll uh, push on to another episode here. Uh, but your comment uh, regarding the COA sheet, uh, I was uh, writing about overshooting the FG and uh, the hydrometers, made me reread the chapter about COA sheets in the malt book. I'm still at a loss how that information translates into too high FG compared to the calculated FG. When the OG and the calculated OG is spot on. Uh, based on the information we can enter into Beersmith, the yield, sugar content, and properties, what, uh, what would affect the final gravity and not the original gravity? Um, honestly, I don't know if the COA is what's going to throw off your final gravity. I think that's going to be more... It's more your, your grind and your mash temp. Yeah, that's going to be your grind and your mash temp. Yeah. Um, like that's that's your, what was throwing me on this. Yeah, so your, your COA is all about your your original gravity yep. everything pre-fermentation yeah um so it's it's basically just cal- calculating out your mash yield think think about how they'd be testing the grain on the coa i mean they're not going to they're not going to ferment the grain the grain yep. on every batch they're going to give you the the front side yeah so that, i'm so. guessing if you're coming in uh if your final gravity is too high you're mashing too high is what I is would it would be my first guess. Well, and then you said Bjorn also. There's, I don't know if this. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so uh, he's a talking about question, a finer grind. The, yeah, the, the two high balls. FG. Yeah, something I have been contemplating for quite some time. I use a very fine grind uh, setting on my grain mill. This causes dough balls, um, and I used uh, I used to use quite some time mashing in and breaking up dough balls. Um, I used to add, used to first add about one third of the grist, stir that well, then the next third and the last third. When I added the first third, uh, the strike water was quite hot. The calculated strike temp based on the total amount of grains and the temperature remained high until all the grains were added. It was maybe 15, 20 minutes uh, to dough in the mash. Um, all the while, the first third of the grist steeping uh, in quite warm water. Could this account for my higher than calculated FG? Yes. Yeah, it definitely could. Um, I would maybe back your back your grind off a little bit. Back the bit. grind off. There's, I'm I'm kind of on the spot as as far as how you should gap your mill, and I know how gapping my RMS mill versus how long my my run is. But <coughs> you I want it to be cracked, not pulverized. Cracked, not pulverized, and then you should be able to calculate your efficiency and understand. You know, if you're able to pull off these mashes and have these crazy final gravities, I'd say, uh, yeah, I don't know, where am I going with this? Back back off the grind and, um, where's I even going with this? Or if you're, oh yeah, and calculate your efficiency and then you should be able to kind of dial that back and then say. The other thing you could do is. Um, maybe start a little lower with your with your initial. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of instead of that higher temp. Yeah, use a little y- like, that, or use a little less malt too. Like yeah, a base malt. Yep. Um. Or yeah. Convertible malt, whatever. Yeah. Or yeah. Or like if you're having a lot of adjunct, like do those first, and then. But yeah. Uh. If you if you lower your temp on that initial strike, like, and you're adding in different, like you can you can make up the difference. 
um, for your hold temp. Mm-hmm. But then you won't have like if you're if you're waiting 15, 20 minutes, but like I yeah, I would I would I would back off your water just a little bit that way or uh, recap your mill and adjust yeah. that and uh, make sure that you're getting a crack, not a pulverization. Yeah. And in fact, uh, our legally our mill is is uh, referred to as a cracker. So it's it's the difference between like grind and like if you think about like if you had like this big kernel of malt in your hand, just like slapping your hand together and just giving it a crack. Um, I mean, rice hulls. <laughs> well, I don't know if rice hulls will help with this situation. I don't know if they will. They'll, I, they'll yeah, just they, help with sticking. They won't help with efficiency. Yeah, they, but they, they and they won't help with dough balls. No, that either. Um, and yeah, if you're having a dough ball issue, definitely. Like I would, I would back off on your grist if you can. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at with it, I guess. It's. All right. Um, and do we want to tackle this last one, or do we want to hold where, that one? Where are we at? Uh, it'd be three under Bjorn. Uh, no, no. Bjorn, get, hold on. Oh, on uh, there. Uh, 33 minutes. Uh, let's do this one quick, then. Okay. That's fine. All right. So in a recent episode, you talked about beer and gas lines. You didn't mention the dimensions of the beer line uh, and the length it should be to, uh, to ideally... It should ideally be to avoid foam hell. Nor did you mention the different types of gas and beer lines. You didn't mention quick connects or push and fittings like John Guest, which makes the life of a home brewer that much easier. I will say um, I don't have any experience with quick connects, so that's why like I didn't I didn't talk about them because it's just it's not something I've used. Um, it's something I should use because that would, seems like it would make my life easier. But um, as far as Dimensions of the beer line, I think, like, isn't standard like eighth of an inch? Trying to remember. Three sixteenths. Three sixteenths. Okay. Inter- uh, yeah, internet internet diameter. OD seven. Uh, <clears throat> there's a couple of things here. Uh, th- this is this is a purely a math problem, and yep. always the longer your hose run length. The, the more problematic things are going to be for a number of reasons. One of them, namely, is hot spots. Um, you really got to think if you're using a keezer or a kegerator. Man, if you're going over five feet, you're going to run into problems. And, you know, the, sh- the shorter your run can be, uh, the better, the more well insulated it can be, the better. Um, and I always say this, that's because CO2 wants to jump out of the solution. As soon as it's not at around 32 degrees, the beer, the CO2 just wants to jump right out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you have a foamy keg, oftentimes it has to do with, well, overcarbonating or what? Like hot, it's warm. hot beer lines or warm beer or yep. et cetera. So I guess at the, at the root of the question, um, let me just flip back here. There's there's calculators out there too. Um, yeah, and I'm sorry, we gave. I said three sixteen, so I don't know what that equates to from a metric. Three sixteen. Uh, oh, for metric. metric I, don't know. Yeah. Uh, I can find out quick. Sure. Um, but you're looking at you know you want food food grade PVC vinyl that's approved by FDA, USDA, UPS, Class VI, NSF, and UL, etc. It's specially engineered to prevent rotting, cracking, drying, swelling. Um, another piece of, you know, about beer lines is you want to, you want to clean it every two weeks because at 11 days stuff starts to grow in them. So that might cause foaming. How about half a centimeter? There you go. Uh, <laughs> um, 
three sixteenths in commercial setups with a longer draw. We're talking about three eighths, um, so it's quicker, more efficient flow rate uh, with less pressure required on the front end. Um, I mean, I've I've worked in a brewery that had a hundred and ten foot line. I worked in one that had an eighty foot line that was underground. Um, ours is real short. Um, but we still will have foaming issues once in a while because the trunk lines are up in the ceiling and so heat rises. So once we start getting into colder season, the HVAC starts working up top and we'll get a little bit more foamy beer from time to time, just depending. And then you've got, you know, condensers on top of the the cooler and all that. So it's, you know. From the homebrew level, though, if you're using a kegerator or a keyser, like keep your line short, like a couple of feet yeah. at most, and then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, keep 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 it as sh- short as you can if you can. But if the longer they are, keep try to insulate them somehow, keep them cool. Um, I guess that's that's kind of yep all I really have to say about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't really have a ton more to say on it. Um, as far as quick disconnects go, if you're regularly changing the beer you have on tap, it's probably wise to move to quick disconnect. Um, to both your beer and the airline, both of those are possible. Um, you can switch out couplers pretty hassle free. Um, first, like a little couple troubleshooting things. Uh, both beer and airlines are are durable. Uh, PVC vinyls. It's designed to withstand um, just about everything you can throw at it. Um, there's a couple things you want to pay attention to though. Is uh, first off, both your beer and air need to they need to be you know keep them unkinked. Uh, if there's unnatural bends or creases in the line, it'll impact the system's ability to pour. Um, I mean, maybe this is kind of rinky-dink shit, and I'm sorry. Yeah. But secondly, for both reliable dispensing, and if you want to ensure, like, the freshest possible, clean your lines, like I said before. Um, there's plenty of specialty product out there to clean lines. Um, I mean, that's, that's about all there is. I mean, c- keep that stuff clean. You've got rubber gaskets. You're going to end up changing gasketry out uh make sure you're you're you got a nice your clamps aren't aren't too tight where it's it's uh uh you know making the yep the 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 hole was too squashed yep um so yeah that's where i'm at with that all righty well should we get out of here y'alls all righty guys thanks for tuning in this week if you have any Questions, comments, show ideas, what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerdstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerdstudios or follow us on Twitter at blindnerdscoreninja. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.